69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome to the Backyard PA Football Podcast covering high school football between Pittsburgh and Morgantown along Interstate 79 and Interstate 70 if you're going from east to west. I am Nathan Grello. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And I'm Carter Newcomb. And we have a great show waiting for you guys as we preview the final week of the regular season. Um, first off, how have you guys felt about the season so far? And how excited are you guys for week seven, the final week of the regular season before we jump into playoffs? Yeah, uh, just a shout out to the WPIO. I think they've done a pretty good job thus far of, um, you know, handling of um, COVID-19, you know, obviously. A lot of games have been postponed, in fact, canceled because of it. But, you know, WPIL has done a very good job. And also, this goes out to the school districts affected by it. Uh, they've done a good job in filling games. You know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of open dates have happened. You know, a lot of teams have filled those um, open dates with other opponents. So just a shout-out to that. And then just the quality of football has been very good considering the uh, circumstances with this offseason. You know, a lot of good football teams, a lot of good talent. Um, it's been a very exciting season. It's sad to see it come to an end, but uh, very excited for the WPL playoffs coming up. Yeah, like what Jay touched on, I, th- I think they've done a pretty good job of handling it, um, you know, with the exception of, you know, a couple cases here and there. But, you know, it's just been nice to have high school football around. It's pretty big in this area. Um, so it's definitely nice to see all the teams playing. And I'm, I'm excited for Friday night. Uh, we got a couple big games coming up, and the playoff matchups will be uh, – told to us here here just in over a week so it'd be nice to see how it all shapes up yeah we basically have three games that will decide playoff spots and one in each of our conferences and we'll be talking about those three games extensively in our full previews and then doing picks against the spread for the rest of them um, if you're listening on any audio device you're in the right place to so stay there just on any website spotify apple podcast Castbox, all the favorite places for podcasts uh, you are there stay there it helps our analytics but if you prefer one um, go subscribe to us on that app as well um, you can go contact Contact us on any social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, just about all of them we are on. So be sure to check us out on there. Uh, But besides that, let's jump into the episode. Last week we discussed playoff projections for the first time, and we will do that again. Uh, Let's start off in 1A. Uh, These playoff projections were published, I believe, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Just, you know, previewing what we think the playoffs are going to look like based on some of the results of the games coming up. Uh... First matchup, we have Clareton as the one seed against Olsh, the eight seed. Second matchup, the second seed, Shenango, hosting Springdale as the seven seed. California jumping up to a three seed after their win over Carmichael's last week. They'll be facing, well, are projected, they'll be facing Rochester as the six seed. And then the final, Jeanette at four, facing Carmichael's the five seed. Basically, a carbon copy of the playoff projections we had last week, except with California and Carmichael's swapping places. Uh, what are your guys' reaction to those possible seedings? Well, first off, um, the only thing, I, I don't disagree with the matchups. I, I don't disagree there, but I don't feel the WPIL will put 
um, Clareton and Jeanette on the same side of the bracket. I think they want to keep those two teams on opposite side of the bracket. So you might see Carmichael's and Jeanette be a 3-6 matchup and maybe drop California-Rochester to a 4-5. Um, but I don't disagree with the matchups. I just don't think the WPIL will put the two best teams in single A on the same side of the bracket. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, that's that's typically, I mean, that's about all. You know, what, what do you expect that? I mean, we all know that those are the best two teams in single A, I think. Most of us would agree on that. But, you know, some of these other teams will have a, you know, something to say about that, you know, when the playoffs come. But I think, as you know, the WPIL won't. They're not gonna, you know, risk having to have Jeanette and Clareton in the in this in the semifinal and then a blowout in the championship. So, I, I definitely agree with what Jay says there. And in one A, there are three games this weekend that could definitely decide seedings. Uh, the first among them is going to be Rochester and Chenango because Rochester's only loss was a upset loss to Fort Cherry a couple weeks ago. And then Shenango is undefeated. So if Rochester ends up upsetting Shenango, that could be um, in- interesting as far as seedings go. Those two teams will probably be closer in pairings. And then um, another one, Carmichael's at Avella. If Avella is able to pull that upset, they'll jump into second place in the Tri-County South and probably get that eighth seed where Olsh is. Olsh will probably move up a spot. Uh, and then the final one, Springdale against Clareton. If Springdale can somehow pull that upset, um, just everything will just hit the wall as far as uh, what the seedings go. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. Let's jump in here into 2A. Uh, Eight teams, even though there are, the number of teams are greater than 1A, I believe, just the number of conferences as well. Uh, but we have Beaver Falls as the one seed against Western Beaver, a tough loss last week against Stowe Rocks. So they dropped down to the eight seed. Stowe Rocks moving up to the two seed against Wash High, who stays at seven. Apollo Ridge staying at three seed, host, hosting Laurel at the six, who jump into the rankings after they beat Nishanik. And then McGuffey at the four seed, hosting Sarah Catholic as the five. Just what are your some of your re- reactions to those possible seedings? Um, um, the Allegheny Conference is very good. Um, there's only like five teams in that. We were talking about this earlier today, um, Nathan, and like Sarah Catholic and Apollo Ridge and and I guess, I guess Weston Beaver's not technically in the Allegheny, but they've played majority of their schedule in the the conference. You know, that conference is good, and I think we're going to see that in the playoffs. I don't think any of those teams could beat Beaver Falls, but and there's a lot that can change. I mean, we've we talked about it too. Washington could be a team that falls out if, say, Frazier. They have a big game this week, this Friday. We'll get to that later. If Frazier can pull the upset, do they jump in? We don't know. What happens? It's it's it, there's a lot that can be shuffled around there, especially in the lower half of the bracket. And if Frazier is able to get that victory, you might even see Ligonier Valley jump above the Commodores because Ligonier Valley has that out of conference win. The, uh, the, how does that enter the minds of some of the of the committee deciding these four wild cards? That's that's I don't I don't know because I mean they do have three losses, although they're to Western Beaver, Apollo uh, Ridge, and. Uh, what was the last one? Sarah Catholic. Sarah Catholic, correct. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know if they'll put a, I don't know if they'll put three or four teams from that conference in there, especially because there's only I think what five of them. So, you know, but they're they're definitely up there. I think in contention with some of these teams. Yeah, two A is so interesting because unlike every other classification, the 
two seeds out of each conference, or we should say the second best team in each conference, isn't guaranteed a playoff spot. You know, the WPL committee is going to handpick all of their quote-unquote wildcard teams so far. So a team like Wash High or a team like Frazier might not get into the playoffs because of just whatever. You know, they look at strength of schedule, so that's a big thing. You know, we just mentioned, you know, the Frazier out-of-conference lost to Ligonier Valley. If Frazier beats Wash High, um, you know, Frazier's strength of schedule isn't as good as Ligonier Valley. Then they look at head-to-head matchups. Well, Ligonier Valley has a head-to-head win over Frazier, pretty dominating one, too, if you ask me, after being down early and coming back and just dominating the rest of the game. So that's an interesting thing. A lot of politics will come into play, too, for sure, um, as it does in most things, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But, like, the projections I see right now, a lot of talent for sure. And with that being said, it's sad to say, you know, it's this is really Beaver Falls' year to to win. This is, if they don't lose, or excuse me, if they do not win the WPI title, this is a da- this is a bad season for Beaver Falls. They have everything they need to win. Um, but that's but that's not going off that. There's just so much talent in this Double A field, and um, it'd just be interesting to see who, in fact, they do hand select. Um, the four wild card teams to be. I think. Inter- go ahead, go ahead, girls. One interesting caveat with this is you've been talking about the Allegheny Conference, Carter. Um, Apollo Ridge and Sarah Catholic had that game canceled, and they did not face each other this season. Could we possibly see them as the four and five seed matching up because they both share a sh- they both share a part of that conference title? That would probably be the best thing that they could do. Uh, I think that would, you know, I think obviously, I think we'd all agree that those teams should definitely be in the playoff field. I think they definitely will be regardless of what happens this upcoming weekend. Um, and honestly, another thing we, I was just about to, I was going to allude to you is, you know, there's a couple of four and two teams in the Midwestern Conference over there with Beaver Falls. I mean, Laurel's going to, we, we think is going to make it. Um, but New Brighton and, Sh- and Shannick are also four and two. And, you know, and especially with – we were talking about Ligonier Valley. They might jump maybe – you know, if if they get, if they were to win this week, um, that's a three-loss team. And then how do you put a team that's got three losses over a team that just has two? You know, there's a lot of up in the air and a lot of speculation. Um, but to answer, uh, to answer your question, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. To be honest, I really think – that only McGuffey will come out of the Century Conference. I truly believe that. Yeah, I was going to I, I think that, too. and that's hard for me to say. But, you know, saying politics come into play, that's where I think Wash High can get in. And I'm not saying Wash High isn't deserving. I mean, they are. They've beat everyone they've had to up to this point. Um, and if they do so this Friday against Frazier, they're well-deserving, you know, in a normal season. But as we know, since this coronavirus pandemic has happened, nothing's been uh, quote-unquote normal. Um, but that conference is so good with Beaver Falls, Laurel, Nashanik, New Brighton. I, you know, you could see three teams come out of that conference, and then you know, I, I think you have to have. Um, I think you have to have Sarah, you have to have Sarah Kafnick and Apollo Ridge. They're probably both going to finish the season undefeated. Um, does that leave Wash High out? I don't know. Does it leave Western Beaver out? I don't know. It, 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 it'll be interesting I, to see. Especially in a year like this year where there's only seven games. I mean, I know there's only ten usually, nine or ten in a typical season, but, like, there's a lot of questions still about some of these teams that are, you know, three and three, four and two. 
you know, teams that are on the fringe here, you know, you don't get as many, you know, it's not a big a sample size. So we don't know. They don't get to see everyone. There's not necessarily as non-conference as many non-conference games, if any. So you don't get a lot of, you know, well, this is how they compare. So it's hard to compare teams from one conference to another, especially when there's not a lot of, you know, inter, you know cross-conference games. Yeah, we've been talking about the Nishanic Lancers, and uh, they ha- already have two losses to Laurel and New Brighton, and their final game is at Beaver Falls. So I think we can say that Nishanic probably won't get in. But as far as New Brighton goes, uh, New Brighton's final game is against Riverside, and uh, Laurel's final game is against Elwood City. Those are two games that are probably going to be wins for both teams. Uh, so you look at a team like Wash Hyatt as does a new Brighton team just sneak their way in as the third team out of the conference? That's a good question. I think you take Ligonier Valley over Nishanik, and they they could probably add their name to the list as if, well as teams that if they, if if they win, yeah, uh, they they have a tough game coming up. That's no by no means going to be an easy victory, but if they win, you can definitely look at that. But even like a team, I mean, I know I don't know if, you know uh, freedom schedule exactly, but I know that they do have a win against Laurel as well, so. You know, that's another three-loss team that if they get a big win this Friday, they might make it themselves. So, yeah, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, and uh, we'll see them answered um, this Friday. Uh, norm in a normal season, we know the teams that are going to be in. We just don't need know the seedings. Um, but this year. Uh, we're probably going to have to wait until Monday and until we know which three teams out of those four make it in um, as the final three seeds in 2A. Uh, let's move into 4A now. Uh, the projections I have for 4A, I have TJ as the one seed against Hampton, the eighth seed. There's basically a three-team battle for the last two wildcard spots right now, and that's going to be Hampton, Montour, and McKeesport. Uh, Hampton and Montour could play TJ. Obviously, McKeesport cannot play TJ. So if McKeesport get in, they'll be the seven seed. And I have them as a seven seed against Aliquippa as a two seed. Bell Vernon as a three seed against Mars, the six seed. And then Plum as a four seed hosting Chartiers Valley at five. Uh, what are some of your reactions to the seedings here? Oh, uh, you know, TJ still the defending state champion. You know, still the power that is in 4A. Um, you know, funny, f- funny. You know, Aliquippa was quote unquote punished by the PIAA uh, for success that they've had um, playing up, and now they're a 4A team. Still, just same old Aliquippa winning conference championships and making the WPI playoffs. Um, in that matchup that I really like, and I believe I said this last week, and I know I've expressed to you, Nathan, um, Bell Vernon, that stout Bell Vernon defense uh, against Teddy Ruffner, uh, the WPILs. Um, second leading rusher, I guess you could say, uh, behind Jaden Zuzak. Um, you know, he's one of the best runners in the state. Um, so that's an interesting matchup. You got Teddy Ruffner versus that stout Bell Vernon defense. I would love to see that matchup. Oh, well, I, I think it's, if 4A is, is wide open except for TJ. Um, I, I don't think – <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to beat TJ, but I think any the teams, you know, two through eight are really, I mean, with the exception of maybe Hampton number eight, I think that all those teams can beat up on each other. I don't know a lot about Hampton, honestly, so I can't really say a lot about them, but, you know, I look at the teams two through seven, and it's it's a toss-up to me. I think Plum, you know, if Plum wins, I don't I don't know much about Plum either, but if they go undefeated, I, it's going to be hard for me to imagine that you know, WIL will put them out of four. 
especially with Bell Vernon lost to me or not lost to McKeith, but what am I saying? Um, I, I still think if they're if they're you know undefeated and Bell Vernon's not so they're gonna have that one loss, I think it's gonna be hard for them to, to punish them and put them at a four. I just think it's difficult. Yeah, this Sorry, is. Nathan. I'll. I'll uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling we we're both gonna say the I'll same beat you thing. To but it. This is probably where politics I'll comes beat you in. To it. No, yeah. I, I agree, and I, I think it's the same thing I said with single way with Claret and Jeanette. Um, I, I think they'll want TJ and Bell Vernon on opposite sides of the brackets for a potential championship matchup. Um, so, so that's where I think that is. Also, I think I, I realize Bell Vernon has the one blemish to TJ, um, but Plum's probably going to finish the season out undefeated. Um, with that being said, I still think Bell Vernon's better than Plum. Um, I think their track record shows that. Um, you know, this Plum team, I think they'll also look at the fact this Plum team hasn't been in the playoffs for a while. They've been a pretty um, underwhelming 5A team. They come down and they have the success they do at 4A, um, where Bell Vernon is um, a standard at 4A. They have been for the last decade, you know. Um, not to the level that TJ has been, but, you know, Bell Vernon's always been right in the mix for a WPR championship. So um, I, I just think that I think the Bell Vernon – I don't disagree with you that I don't think Pib Plum should be punished um, for going undefeated. But I just – I think that the WPIL will definitely want to put TJ and Bell Vernon on opposite sides of the bracket. And you look at the team they're playing um, in the projected bracket in which Chargers Valley, that's another team that moved down from 5A and has looked very good this year, aside from one game, and that was against Sal Equipa, who's the two seed. Uh, so 4A is definitely going to be an interesting bracket as well, although it seems a little bit more straightforward than what we're seeing in 2A and 1A. Uh, what do you guys say about jumping into some full previews of Week 7 action here? I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. All right. All right. Let's start off in 1A with our 1A game of the week. Carmichael's visiting the Avella Eagles. This game is most likely going to be for a playoff spot. Um, Avella trying to get, trying to sneak their way in um, as a seed in the bracket for 1A. Uh, Carmichael's a tough loss last week, 49 to 20 against California. Avella an even tougher loss uh, get on the road against Bentworth, a team that was far outside the playoff bracket. Um, just looking at the Eagles now following that difficult loss, they're coming back home. Is it possible for the Eagles to pull the upset against the Mikes and sneak their way into the 1A playoff bracket this year? Now, which Avella team are we talking about? Are we talking about the Avella team that started 3-0? and Or are we talking about the Avella team that lost to Bentworth by 10 and barely, barely beat Mapletown? I think that's the real question for Avella. Which team are we going to see? Are we going to see the team that came out hot and upset West Green early on the season? Or are we going to see the same team that uh, basically got shot out of the air by California, no pun intended with them being the Eagles, and then them <laughs> be – them? I didn't even think of that, so that's kudos to myself. I'll pat myself <laughs> on the back. But uh, yeah, do that. For but me. anyway, uh, or are they going to be the same Avella team that gave up 41 points to uh, the Bearcats? Um, that's the big thing for me. If we see that three and O Avella team, I think it's possible. Especially Carmichael's is down. You know, they just lost the first game of the season. They got absolutely crushed um, in that second half for sure by uh, the the uh, California Trojans, uh, more specifically the Jaden Zuzak Express, but. Um, it, 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 it'll just it'll be an interesting matchup to see for sure which Avella comes out 
Um, they do have Carmichael's at home, so that's the big thing for sure for the Eagles heading into this matchup um, with their playoff hopes still um, alive. Um, the way I see it, I think this game can go two ways. Um, I think it's either going to be a Carmichael's absolute blowout victory because, I mean, they're going to be a little mad and a little angered with the way the last week went, you know, and they're going to come out fired and they're really going to want to put it to Avella. Or Avella comes, you know, and they're, and they, and they, or Carmichael's comes out slow, excuse me, and Avella, you know, is like, hey, this is the last home game of the season. We don't, you know, this is, you know, this is it. And they're going to, you know, maybe keep it close, but I still think Carmichael's wins. Um, I just think it's just a matter of how many. I, Carmichael's might win this game by 28, 40 up there. It might be a complete blowout, or it might be a, a touchdown game. So it's interesting to see there. This is also a game where Carmichael's needs to make a statement to the Whippeal playoff committee as well, because um, if you're the Mighty Mikes, you don't want to be stuck at that eight seed and play the Clareton Bears first round. Yeah, you want to no, yeah, see a matchup with Shenango. You want to see a matchup with Jeanette if possible, because um, any team facing up against Clareton right now is a death sentence. And uh, if Carmichael struggles against Avella or and like squeaks out a win, um, you're definitely going to see the Mikes at the eighth. Eight seed, I think. Um, but let's call, let's pick this game here. Carmichael's fourteen and a half point favorites. Uh, I'll let you guys go before I do. Yeah, uh, give me the mics over. I think Carmichael's comes out uh, with a vengeance, um, looking to um, get over last week's loss and impress the committee and uh, try not to get a first class ticket to Clareton, Pennsylvania, for the following Friday. So uh, give me the mics on the over, big time. I'm going to agree with you. Um, I think, you know, last week, this is, we didn't think about this too much. I mean, you know, with last week's game is that they turned over the ball six times. And this game is uh, is really close right until, you know, the pick in the beginning of the third quarter, midway through the third quarter there. That's where the game flipped upside down for Carmichael's. And I, th- and I think Carmichael's, if they don't turn over the ball six times, they might very well win that game. So with that being said, I think they're just, they're much better than we, we think. Especially after, if you look, if you just looked at the score, forty nine to twenty, you'd you'd think that they, you know, they, they got beat down pretty bad against Cal, but when you look at it, it's just turnovers, and that's they, they shot themselves in the foot, and I, I don't think they're going to do that against Avella. You know, I think that they kind of got those out of their system, and they're going to really just be a well oiled machine in Avella Friday night. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think this game's probably in the upper 20s as far as the victory for the for the Mikes. Um, the only way I see them losing is if they just come out slow and Avella has like two quick scores, which we've seen them do that against other teams that aren't named Carmichael's. Um, and the, they seem to have like this mentality where they put scores quickly together and to put them either back into games or to um to put them ahead uh but either way i think carmichael is just their defense is too tough right now for avella and that's gonna be the difference uh let's jump into 2a here um this game i called it or no whip blitz calls it a casket match basically um one team has the other has the chance to put the other team in the ground, end their season, send them home for the for you know the next eight months, um, and that's Frazier at Washington. Winner probably is going to make it into the playoffs. Um, if Frazier wins, it's a little bit more of a stretch to see them jumping in over a team like a New Brighton, um, but we will see. Um, Commodores visiting the Praxis. The Praxis are six and a half point favorites. Is it possible, or is there a path for the Fraser Commodores to pull the upset over the Prexies here in week? Yes, there is. It's one simple 
just simple thing. They have to take care of the ball, and we know Wash High fumbles the ball a lot. They have to capitalize on those turnovers, and they got to punch it in when those opportunities occur. Excuse me. That is the only way Frazier is going to pull off this win against Wash High. Wash High has the superior athletes in this game. Not that Frazier doesn't have athletes, but Wash High has an abundance of athletes. But they are careless with the football a lot. The two teams that have beaten Wash High exposed that. That's why they won those football games. Frazier has to do the same thing. And someone other than Kenny Fine has to step up big for the Frazier Commodores on offense. He will not do everything. He cannot do everything, rather, for this offense on Friday night. Someone else will have to stay, step it up, whether it's Luke Santo or, or, or Dom Dracon you know, one of those two, or whoever, someone has to step up for the Commodores, and the Commodores have to take chance, or excuse me, take what's given to them, opportunities like turnovers from Wash High, they got to capitalize on them. If that happens, the Commodores will walk away from Washington Friday night with a win. I think, Jay, you hit the nail right on the head. I think you already knew that I was going to say that. Um, I talk about when I talk about Wash High. It's the first thing I talk about. I don't know, and I don't know what they put on them footballs that they use. What what's on them that makes them so slick? Because they every time I've seen them play, I think they put the ball on the ground at least four times. I mean, every game um, they've been in, they fumble the ball. I mean, they just they beat Charleroi thirty nine nothing last weekend, and they still fumbled the ball. Four times. I don't, I I don't know if Wilson. Four times. I, I don't know. Can't do I don't know if the Wilson. I don't know if the Wilson Sporting Brands is sending them really bad footballs or what it is, but they just seem to fumble them all the all the time. Um, but I was talking to an assistant coach on the Washington High football staff today. It happens to be their defensive line coach, Chase Johnston. He said, you know, we got they're rearranging some things um, for Kenny Fine. Definitely who they're going to be game planning against. He's Frazier's biggest weapon. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does on Friday night. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be a big key to the game for both sides. Uh, Frazier obviously needs him to be able to get get into space, and, you know, he's he's their best athlete. So, you know, he's he's one of the few guys that I think that can really match up with Washington speed. But, um, you know, it, but the same thing goes for Washington. they got to figure out a way to stop him because that's, that, that's Frazier's offense. Uh, that's the running game. So... You know, I think Frazier can definitely do it. I think they can, but it's just, it's going to depend on how well they are able to convert on turnovers if Washai does turn over the football. And and what a win it would be for that program. I know Washington's kind of having a down year for their standards, but what what a, what a win for that program would be if if Frazier could you know pull the upset on the road, give them a possible playoff berth, and send Washington high home. That'd be one heck of a story. You know. But with that being said, I, I don't think I don't think they can do it. Yeah, and when we talked about Frazier going into the year, um, we talked about how many experienced starters they had back. We, I think we put the number at 12 contributors on both sides of the ball. This is probably the most experienced um, team in the century. Uh, and Wash High has not had, at least to me, a very high level of maturity um, as far as staying in games. It seems like when they're getting punched in the mouth, um, they don't respond well to it. They don't respond well to adversity. Is that something that we will see in this game? Maybe a more experienced, um, higher maturity team like Frazier take advantage of that? I think definitely they can. Uh, not to interrupt you, Jay. I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to tell who's going to go first. But um, 
I think I definitely could take advantage of it. I, I think when I've been to both games that I've been to, I've seen Wash High. Excuse me, three games. You know, when they get down, it's it's the sideline over there. They're not a well-oiled machine. It seems like there's a lot of guys that are, you know, split up and you know they 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 don't take it very well. Uh, they don't seem like they take adversity very well. And I noticed that you know if Frazier comes out and they punch him in the mouth, you know that's what Trinity did. And I and I wasn't there on the sidelines for the Trinity Wash Eye game, but I can imagine that it wasn't a very happy group over there and they weren't you know fighting together to put it back and that's kind of think why the score got inflated to what it did so i think if frazier can come out and they score a touchdown or two earlier they get a big play or force a turnover it can really change the way this game runs and within a you know just a matter of seconds yeah um i definitely think that that's what frazier has to do um is frustrated wash high for sure um, I've 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 gotten cover wash high the w- one time this year, um, and it was their one of two losses that was early on to McGuffey. And I know McGuffey um, had uh, wash high frustrated, and it showed. I was on the wash high sideline. You know, players were um, not in the greatest mood to say the least. Um, and, and, and you know, no, they were not very happy. Um, and I think Frazier has to do that. You know, McGuffey took advantage of Wash High turnovers, um, and so did uh, Trinity. And that's been the two games that Wash High has lost. Other teams have not really taken um, advantage of those turnovers. Um, and I think that's the really, I think that's the biggest way to beat Wash High. Really, any team is when you capitalize when they give you an opportunity to score. Um, and Frazier's got to do that. Uh, it's just, it's just fundamental football. You know, you got to take what's given to you. Uh, you can't. Um, you can't trade blows with Wash High. Um, you know you're going to have to go for that big knockout punch uh, if you're Frazier on Friday. Yeah, I think if Frazier's going to win, they're going to have to score more points than Wash High. So you heard it here first. That's the key to the game, Jay. Is just score more points than the other team. You know, I had that same mentality it- when I was playing. <laughs> just come out and score more points. That's all they have to do. And one Simple guy that'll that. definitely help in that is going to be Frazier running back slash wide receiver combo Kenny Fine and um, Jeremiah you mentioned Luke Scanto at receiver he's another key player uh, to help Dom Dorcone um, just elevate his game having a receiver like that but um, back to Kenny Fine he's just such a versatile athlete and we saw uh, Wash High really fold against a versatile athlete in Micah Finley a couple weeks ago at Trinity. Um, are we going to see something similar from Kenny Fine against the Wash High defense? You know, no offense to Micah Finley, or not to Micah Finley, rather, rather to Kenny Fine. Kenny Fine and Micah Finley are two different a- uh, athletes for sure. Kenny Fine is an incredible athlete. Um, th- but the difference between them, Kenny Fine doesn't have other great teammates as far as the same level as those that Micah Finley has. You know, Caden Colson is a great teammate, um, as well as others on that Trinity team. Um, you know, Micah Finley's just been one of the greatest offensive specimens we've seen this season for sure. Um, Kenny Fine, like I mentioned, there were other guys other than Micah Finley that helped contribute to that victory over a wash high. Kenny Fine is not going to single-handedly be wash high Friday night. Other teammates are going to have to step up. Like I mentioned, Dom Darcone, quarterback, who um, I have to say has gotten a lot better since he first came in against Ligonier Valley in week two when Braden Boggs went out. Um, that's another interesting thing. Where would this Frazier team be um, 
with Braden Boggs, you know, would they still be in these close games where they're beating just Char Houston by one point? Um, I think they'd be in the same situation where this game would come down to who makes the playoffs and who doesn't, but um, that's just another interesting topic, but it doesn't matter now. But anyway, and Luke Santo has to come up big time too. You know, this is their possible last game. Um, and like Carter mentioned, what a historic win this would be for this Frazier um, um, program, you know. A very good 1A school. They really haven't had their mark in double A since they bumped up um, a couple years ago now. Um, this is their best season by far they've had since they've been up. Um, and they get a, a very huge win for that program against one of the um, WPIL standards that is Wash High. Uh, this would be a great win for Frazier. All right, so let's pick this game here. Uh, Wash High six-and-a-half point favorites. I will let you guys go first. Yeah, you know, uh, it's at Wash High, so I think that will play a factor into the game. Um, you know, Frazier has not played the greatest on the road all season. Um, you know, we look at the Char-Houston game where, you know, they squeaked out a win up there. Um, and Char-Houston has a very good defense. Um, Wash High has an even better defense. I think I think Wash High will have the athletes on that defense to to contain Kenny Fine. Um, I think when I think of Mike Allen, I think of Tayshawn Levy, I think of Amari Miller. I think they'll be um, fine and handling so. Um, and you know, you got when you got a guy by the name of Andre Porter on your defensive line plugging up the middle, I think that helps as well. Um, so I'm gonna take Wash High and the over. I think Wash High wins by three touchdowns. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Wash High, and I and I and I know uh, you know Frazier's gonna be a trendy pick, and it's probably gonna be the pick of you girls, but I want to choose. I really do. I just don't think they're gonna have enough to do it, you know. And and no, no disrespect to Frazier at all. Um, great team. They've they play. I like how they play. I, I'm a really big fan of their playing style. Like I said, though, it's just it's going on the road to Wash High to. It's 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 hard it's hard to pick a team against Wash High. I know the Wash High's not having the greatest of year, but years but uh you know even with all that being said that just the athletes you know it just it just depends on the turnovers really it's all it's going to come down to if it, this game might be decided in the first quarter uh it's either going to wash high is going to come out and you know show how much more athletic they can be or they're going to force the you know turn or frazier's going to force turnovers and it might go the other way completely um so but with that being all said i still think wash high will win this game probably about two scores so i'm gonna take the over I agree with you wholeheartedly, Carter, that this game is going to be decided in the first quarter. And we saw Wash High struggle in the first quarter against Chargers Houston. We saw them struggle in the first quarter against Charleroi. And um, those are our teams that Frazier both beat. And when you look at what Frazier has, you know, I picked them. I picked against them, actually. I picked the Bucks in their game against Chargers Houston, and they proved me wrong. And... And I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. That's why I'm going with Frazier with the under and win. Go doors. I knew he was he was you know, due it, to do something stupid. Oh, I mean, we almost went an entire time. I mean, I, I I've probably said some few dumb things today. No, but he's, you know, he's, I, there's I think there's it's a, a possibility. I really do. I think of this Frazier team, which um, I, I I was at the the only Frazier game I've gotten to cover was the McGuffey game, and yes, they lost 42 to nothing, but that defense really impressed me early in that game until the third quarter, and they kind of let things get out of hand. Um, but th that defense is 
fairly good, and they can force turnovers, and they did um, against McGuffey. I, I think if they, I'm telling you, they just got to take advantage of the turnovers that Wash High gives them because Wash High is going to put the ball on the ground. Um, so it, it's just a matter of what you do and take advantage of what's given to you. And I want to, I want to pick on something real quick. Um, I know, I noticed you said about DeAndre Porter. I'm not sure who. Um, from what I heard, was told, he didn't play very much last week. I think he's been injured, so I'm not exactly sure on his status. That could be something pretty big to look at. I'm not going to call him out of the game because I, quite frankly, don't know 100%. But from what I've heard, he is at least, at the very least, questionable. So I'm not sure if he's going to be playing. And if he is, he might not be at 100%. Well, I know he played enough to pick up an offer for Minnesota. Well, that was that was, that was was from the straight from the defensive line coach of Wash High. So that's, that's, that's my source. So I, <laughs> as far as I know, he, he was hobbled at least a little bit in the slightest last week. And either didn't play much or didn't play at all, from what I was told. Either way, I think this game is going to be pretty sloppy because we, I mean, Nick was there, or Nick Hosshalter, one of our reporters, was there against Chargers Houston for Frazier, and that game was very sloppy, a 7-6 win for Frazier, and um, there were a lot of turnovers in that game. So um, you guys mentioned how Frazier has to take advantage of turnovers for Wash High. Uh, there's a little bit of worry for me that uh, we could see a couple turnovers go the opposite direction. But either way, you know, I think the under would have been a trendy pick here because uh, I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game with both of these defenses. Um, but let's move on here. Uh, we got our 4A game of the week, McKeesport visiting Thomas Jefferson. Now, this game is actually more intriguing than you think because McKeesport, with a win, could have a share of the Big 8 title, a three-way tie. Um, they'd still be the weaker of the three just because of the way that Gardner points sort out and the Tigers only have 18 right now, and if they won by more than 10, they'd only have 28, and both TJ and Bell Vernon have more than that right now. Bell Vernon doesn't even play a game. Uh, so they're stuck at 30. TJ is at 40. So McKeesport can't even pass them with a win. Um, but is it possible for the Tigers to pull that upset? Maybe they move up you know, a spot in the playoff bracket to six or maybe even five. Is that possible for the Tigers to get this win? You know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I've said one component of McKeesport that's been steady all year long is that great defense. Um you know, only allowing seven points to Micah Finley and Trinity. Um, you know, it really only gave up 14 points to Bell Vernon. Um, Bell Vernon won 20 to nothing, but that was after a late pick six in that game. Um, it, it'll be interesting to say. I, I think I think this game will be closer than people think for sure. I think Bell Vernon will keep it. Or excuse me, not Bell Vernon. Uh, it's, it's it's still a big cat. Uh, the McKeesport Tigers, just not the Leopards. But I think the Tigers keep it close. Um, at first, I think TJ pulls away by a, a touchdown or two late in that game. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be a, a pretty controlled game. I think it's going to be a lot of you know, a lot of defense in this game. It's going to mean a lot. Um, but I mean, no one's really stood up to TJ all year. No one really ever does, anyways. Um, it's going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard to pick against hard to pick against the Jaguars. I think one of the most intriguing matchups in this game, and it's going to be interesting to see what Thomas Jefferson does on defense against the McKeesport triple option because we talked about that a lot, and I mentioned this on the podcast, um, the recap podcast, 
um, for Bell Vernon. But the way we talked about Bell Vernon heading into the McKeesport game is vastly different than how we're talking about Thomas Jefferson because we thought McKeesport was a favorite against Bell Vernon. And that is because Bell Vernon had not played the triple option yet before, but they had a guy named Cole Waitman that showed up during that game and just read the quarterback like a book the entire night. Does Thomas Jefferson have a defense that's of the caliber of Bell Vernon? Uh, probably, but do they have a linebacker that's of the caliber of Cole Waitman? I don't think so. And if they do, he hasn't been, made his impact this year. Now, them as a unit, the defense, uh, they haven't really played a whole lot of difficult competition all year beside Bell Vernon. And that game, Bell Vernon really didn't have a lot of trouble scoring, at least in the first half. Second half, they hunkered down and they ended up winning 40 21. Uh, but this is basically the second true test for this Thomas Jefferson defense. And it's against an entire new offense that they haven't fa- faced before. Is that something that, you know, might turn the tide maybe in the Tigers' favor a little bit for you guys? Yeah, for sure. They have the advantage on that aspect of um, TJ not really seeing that triple option offense before. Um, But going back to what you said, you know, TJ doesn't have a Cole Waitman, but I think they have enough on that defense and a very good defense at that. Um, A lot of returning depth from last year's state title run. Uh, I think this TJ team will be fine. And no, they don't have a Cole Waitman, but they have several guys who can do combined what Cole Waitman does. So I think TJ will be fine handling the triple option. But um, at least that's why I think it'll be close at first. Um, You know, it doesn't matter how much um, film prep you do throughout the week. Uh, Only one week of prep. For this triple option is tough. You have to see it for a little with your own two eyes, um, field level to really get a grasp of what um, that triple option can do. Um, you know, I can say so for myself. When I played in high school, we played Western Beaver. Western Beaver ran the triple option at the time, um, and it, it's it's a very hard offense to prefer, prepare for in one week. I use the same. I compare it to um, if there's any college basketball fans. Um, you know, it's come March Madness time. WVU's a hard second-round game because if they win their first game, you have a one-day turnaround to get ready for that press that West Virginia basketball does. Um, so that's what I compare it to is the triple option. The triple option is very hard to get ready for in one week. So I think heading into the game, McKeesport has an advantage in that aspect of it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I played I, up there the... Uh, the boondocks of uh, Pennsylvania. There's a lot of uh, a lot of triple option teams. Uh, we 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 played Carn City a lot, a couple times, and three times in my junior and senior year combined. And you know that's that's that was always a tough week because you knew what they were going to do. They obviously don't have the athletes as McKeesport does, but they had the big boys up front, and you knew it was gonna it was coming at you, and they still would get you with it. And then you know, and every single you know they do those. They'd be in the wing tee there. They'd get you on. And, and just when you think you got them in that triple option, they'll send the wing back right across on a reverse, and it catches your whole defense off guard. You know, it's it's a tough matchup against against a team like that. But I, I still think that TJ will, you know, has has the defense. They might they should be able to, to put up with it. And then another aspect, I think, of the triple option is that when we saw McKeesport play Bell Vernon, Asad Robinson went out, you know, early in the second quarter with an injury and didn't come back. Um, Con- they were, and beside him, they were implementing a lot of new starters on that side of the ball, a new quarterback, a new 
a new uh, you know fullback and other side of running back and everything. Um, now with you know a full year of playing in the triple option, do we do we see that start to improve? I know the Jet or the Tigers' offense has definitely had their struggles this year against some weak defenses. That's something that we might see kind of turn the tide in this game. Yeah, you know this offense for sure definitely has to step up. Um, like you mentioned, some weaker teams. This offense has kind of been lackluster. Um, I look at a game last week. You know, I don't really know what happened. I know McKeesport was up um, by a good bit um, against Laurel Highlands, but Laurel Highlands kind of clawed their way back into that game. Final score ended up being 35 to 20. Um, you know, I thought that McKeesport really could have used that game to get that offense really rolling, um, and then heading into this week's matchup where you can still. Um, you know, get at least a share of the conference championship. Um, so I, that's one thing. I think McKeesport's offense is going to have to come out hot right out of the gates or else they won't be able to get it going at all against TJ. And then let's pick this game here, TJ. 21-point favorites. Man, that is a high spread I, you, that you guys have made. Um, yeah, I don't even... This is going to be pretty low scoring between these two teams, I think. Uh, this goes under for me, but Thomas Jefferson still gets the win. I agree. Uh, I think it's a low scoring game. Um, I, I think both defenses shine in this game. I think McKeesport's defense shows up, um, but with that being said, I don't think they show up and provide the win. Um, so I, I'm gonna take the under as well. I'm gonna take Thomas Jefferson. I'm I'm thinking like twenty to six final score. Oh, uh, I, th- I think I'm gonna take the under. I think I think Thomas Jefferson wins still. I was thinking more along the lines. It's I, I don't necessarily disagree that it's gonna be a, a lower scoring high school game, but I don't think it's. I still think TJ's gonna score. You know, a couple, quite a few touchdowns at the very least. I mean, these teams score a lot. Especially at least TJ. Um, so I think it, it'll be. It'll, I think it'll be like a 34-14 kind of game, somewhere in that. Yeah, I think I think McKeesport will get a few touchdowns, but I still think Thomas Jefferson wins pretty comfortably. All right, and let's jump into some more picks against the spreads. Jumping back into Tri County South action, Bentworth visiting Mapletown. Bentworth is eleven and a half point favorites. Um, yeah, I got the over on this one. Benworth's offense is just has just they've just been ridiculous the past couple weeks. And we talked about how Maples have been keeping the last couple games close, um, but still that was against Jefferson Morgan and against Avella. And I think Benworth's offense is a little bit better than those two teams. So over for this one. Yeah, I agree. Give me the Bearcats over. Um, I think it's Owen Patricek versus Landon Stevenson on this game. I really think those two go back and forth. But I think the Bearcats, uh, with that being said, roll in this game. Give me a Bearcats over. Yeah, I think this is probably the easiest spread we have. Uh, give me Bentworth and over. They've scored way too many points in the last few weeks to do only have to be 11.5 point favorites. All right, and then next in the Tri-County South, West Green visiting Jefferson Morgan. I think this game will most likely be at Wiley Stadium. Um, so a little bit of a hometown, you know, that's kind of dead center between Jefferson Morgan and West Green. Um, West Green, six-and-a-half-point favorites. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the under and win here. West Green has been a pretty, aside from a blowout win against Brownsville, West Green's been pretty underwhelming this year. And I like what Jefferson Morgan is doing with a more, you know, balanced passing attack on offense. So I got the Rockets with the under and win on this game. Well, I'm going to have to totally disagree with you there. Um, I think they finally got the offense going. Yes, I know it was against Brownsville. Um, but I actually look back at the Bentworth game. Late in that Bentworth game, you know, they really had a chance to uh, win that game. They came back from a lot. Um, you know, they were down 33 points at one time, came back and only lost in that game by 10, still put up 40 points. Um, I think West Green's really going to come out. I think they're going to show um, not only that they can finish this season out strong, but provide some momentum heading into next year. You know, this team only loses three seniors, um, and they have pretty much the whole core back. You know, they have Colin Brady back, who's only a freshman. They'll have Corey Wise back senior. They'll have the entire offensive line back, Wes Whipke back there, quarterback. I think this team really um, goes into this game and with a big win takes that momentum into next season and turns things around for uh, the Pioneers. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go over and I'm going to take my alma mater. I'm also going to take my alma mater in West Carter. Green. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. I just, I, I think West Green, I think we, we overlooked them because they had a few rough weeks, you know, but it's a young team for the most part. So, you know, I, I still think that they're going to, whether it's at Wiley or if it's at Jefferson Morgan or, you know, whatever this game is played, I still think they'll win this game by multiple touchdowns. And then we'll jump into some 3A action here briefly because Peyton Charlinger is going to cover this game. Uh, the two bottom teams in the 3A interstate are playing each other. Yawk is visiting Brownsville, the Cougars and the Falcons. Um, Yawk are 28-point favorites. Brownsville hopefully gets a, their starting quarterback for this game. Uh, I got the Cougars with the over on this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, game's not even close. Brownsville's just bad. Um, hopefully they can turn things around, though, because, uh, you know, you'd hate to see that program um, go away. Uh, kind of same situation with Manesson, just not a lot of uh, players. And that's sad, too, because Brownsville's a 3A school and another program with a rich history, too, just haven't been good in the recent years. So, um, But I'm still taking York with the over. Yeah, you guys set it all for me, York, and the over. And then here, jumping into the century, McGuffey visiting Beth Center, 28-point favorites, over. Yeah, Kobe uh, Coons is going to be running for his life all night, as he has much of the season. Um, give me uh, the Highlanders, big. Yep, everything you just said. Um, McGuffey, I think, wins pretty convincingly. I think I'd, I'd give him 42, 42-nothing or something like that. And then Charleroi has got an out-of-conference game against the Albert Gallatin Colonials, a team that we haven't talked about a whole lot this year, but they have like a 250-pound fullback in their triple option attack that is just trucking over people all year. Um, Albert Gallatin crushed Laurel Highlands at the beginning of the year, and they will crush Charleroi this weekend over on the 28-point spread. Yeah, enough said. Uh, Charleroi has been really lackluster this year. AG's been having the two greatest seasons in their program's history the last two years. Uh, they continue that success. Uh, give me the Colonials. Over. Yeah, Colonials are over. 
And then our final game here in the century, Waynesburg Central visiting Chargers Houston, a 27 and a half point spread. Uh, I don't think either of these two teams can score more than 15 points, so I got to go with the under on this one. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, but I think Char Houston's offense is better than just putting up 15 points against this very bad Waynesburg team. Um, give me the over. I think Char Houston wins big on uh, their last game of the season. I think Char Houston wins 42-14. to 14. That's why I wanted it at 27-5 because I want the over. And I just I, – I, I think – I watched Waynesburg Central last week. I was at that game. I mean, the defense, I mean, was just getting absolutely gutted. Uh, Nick Beidel and Hayden Soraki uh, just absolutely just unloaded on them. I mean, there was a point in the time in that game right before halftime where they throw a fade or Ligonier throws a fade to the 10-yard line, you know, one-on-one matchup. Kid makes a catch, kind of bobbles going out of bounds, kind of a controversial call. They, they call it incomplete. They throw. They do the exact same thing. Like I mean, it was it was the same catch snap immediately. Just turns and threw, got him again. And that's all the more I really needed to see out of this Waynesburg Central defense. If you can't stop anything that you know is coming right at you, then I don't know how you expect to stop anyone. What was the final score of that game, Carter? Forty-two to six. All right, not to throw anyone under the bus that goes else that also goes to this university uh, but each week the yellow jacket which is like our student newspaper puts out a little graphic um, where they post where they pick games and uh, Dylan Cleland and Jack Hillgrove both picked Waynesburg to win that game and I would just like to publicly shame them for that pick because that is about the dumbest thing I ever read <laughs> almost as dumb as you choosing Frazier to win I think that's far oh, less dumb than picking Waynesburg. Oh. Well, you've, you've made some. Hey, listen, we've all made some dumb picks, so we'll give him the we'll At give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just didn't know much about Ligonier like, Valley. Okay, yeah, that's my case in point. I, I did say that, so I, I will I will vouch for them. Maybe they just didn't know who Ligonier like Valley was, and they just you know gave Waynesburg Central the benefit of the doubt. And Uniontown, actually, speaking of them, uh, they are going to finish out the season 0-2. They canceled their fall, their last two games. Uh, they only played two games in the season, and they lost to both Albert Gallatin and Ringgold and did not score a point in either of those games. Um, Uniontown now has the biggest losing streak in the state, um, and I don't know if they're even going to have a program next year to continue that streak. So we will see. We will keep you updated on the Uniontown Red Raiders over the offseason. Hey, they only, um, lost, they only lost two games this year, though, so that's that's something to take away from. And I know they only played two, but they only lost two, which is a big increase from, la- definitely or, uh, decrease an from last year's. Definitely an improvement. Improvements, yeah. I feel like their, their win percentage is still the same, but they, they only lost two instead of ten. So, And if you have to cancel five games to do that, then I guess it's worth it. Win at all cost, hey. in quotations. <laughs> Let's move on here into some 4A action. Uh, Trinity uh, on the road against Laurel Highlands. Trinity are 18.5-point favorites. Yeah, I like the over in this one because Laurel Highlands on defense has been kind of underwhelming all year. So give me the Hillers with the over. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be the Micah Finley versus Ronnie Gallagher show. Um, I think Finley has a lot more around him. He definitely has the better offensive and defensive line. So I'm going to go Hillers over big time against the Mustangs at home. Hillers. Big time, like you said. And then our final game, West Mifflin coming off of a bye week because Uniontown canceled their game with them. 
uh, on the road against the Ringgold Rams. Titans are 28-point favorites. I'll let you guys go first on this one. Yeah, uh, West Mifflin, over. Joe Montana would have to come out and play for Ringgold to have a chance. Yeah, I don't know if Joe Montana would help Ringgold, to be honest with you. Um, That's saying something. No disrespect, but to be disrespectful, West Mifflin would win by halftime, 28. We'll have the spread covered by halftime. Do you guys remember the score of Trinity Ringgold from week one? Yeah, so I think it was like 41 to 19 or something. It was 49 to 26. That is a 23-point win and a backdoor cover for the Rams. Or a 23-point win for the Hillers, backdoor cover for the Rams. I'm thinking we'll see the same thing in this game. That's why I'm going slightly under. He just wanted to choose something different. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue at this point, girls. I had just, that's a good justification, though, because Trinity didn't beat him by 28. They beat him by 23. That is a, that's an under in the betting world. I think it's an under in any Anyway. World. I think we'll just move right into Amigo Watch. This is our segment where we discuss um, who we think will be the Amigo, our Amigos of the Week at the end of the week. Um, there's been a pretty common theme that Jaden Zuzak has been the Amigo of the Week just about every week for the past three weeks, but that won't happen this week because California has a bye because Manessin canceled their season. So we can't choose Jaden Zuzak, but I'll don't let you, you guys go first. Don't you tell yours. me what I can do. Don't think I won't pick him. He'll probably still score, like, five touchdowns this weekend, honestly, even though he's not playing. No, but all jokes – oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, if California really wanted a game, um, the Amber, Ambridge Bridgers Ambridge. Um, canceled – yeah. Uh, basically, Keystone Oaks is having basically a COVID outbreak at their school right now. Uh, no, isn't it Keystone Oaks? It's Quaker Valley, right? One of the two. I, I think, think it's Oaks. Quick. I think it's Keystone Oaks. Someone. Either way, the Ambridge Bridges should have a free game uh, to spend. So uh, if California really wants to play a team, that'd be the team. And maybe Jaden Zuzak yeah, can score for but if you're California, why, why schedule a game? Why would you you even, already yeah. have a conference title clinch. Why schedule a game where someone like Jaden Zuzak can get hurt or Damani Stafford can break a couple more ribs. Like, I, I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> Just a few more. <laughs> that is brutal, Jeremy. <laughs> well, no, I'm just right. saying, just, like, why? Just like, for that, why? I hope you picked Damani Stafford on Amigo Watch just to make it up no, to but like, <laughs> No, I mean, I'm being serious. Like, I don't know why. Like, that'd be that'd be idiotic if California would schedule a game. Like, they have nothing well, to play especially for, Unless you just want to pad Zuzak's stats, but that's dumb at this point. Even though Ambridge is really bad, like, especially with them being a couple classifications up, like, there's, I mean, I'm sure California would still win, but, you know, it might not be as big of a blow. But what is think. it going to prove? What? It, it, beating nothing. Ambridge, yeah, exactly. beating Ambridge be is not going to make the committee yeah. go, oh, 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 California, I mean, they beat the crap out of Ambridge. Let's put them at the one. The Let's one put them seat. above Claire. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, like, yeah. there's no point. I'm just saying if they want to play a game, that's an option. Well, but they're probably not going to happen. Take it anyway, from two let's pick former our amigos. players. Le less games mean fewer injuries. 
that was Uniontown's strategy this season, just ask them. Yeah, they, they didn't get too many injuries this year. Um, you can't lose games if you don't play them. That is true. All right, Carter, you want to go first with your amigo um, on watch? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to pick Trenton Carter. Uh, he had a rough week you know, in the second half last week against California. I think this week he's going to get a little redemption. He's going to come out and have a big, uh, have a big game. And not just because of his name. Yes. Well, there was there, there was there was no intention with that, but he has a nice last name. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. Um, I'm gonna go in his last high school football game ever. I'm gonna go Nakai Johnson of West Mifflin, uh, playing Ringgold. I think he just abuses Ringgold all night. Um, in what is going to be his last high school game before he plays collegially at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, so I'm going to put Nakai Johnson on Amigo Watch. I think he just goes out there and uh, finishes his um, high school career and West Mifflin career um, on a high note and uh, with his teammates defeating Ringgold. And on my end, I think I'm going to go, and this kind of ties into why I thought McKeesport would be an under, but uh, Kanye Thompson got a special teams kick return touchdown last week for McKeesport over Laurel Highlands. And I think we see something akin to that against Thomas Jefferson, maybe a good special teams play or, you know, maybe see him as on a jet sweep get a, big, a couple big gains or something. So I'm going to go with Kanye Thompson from McKeesport as my guy on Amigo Watch. Maybe we see him um, come out as a star here. Uh, in a loss to the Jaguars. Good pick. That's Jay, you mentioned. You mentioned. You mentioned. You mentioned Pitt, and I know this is high school football. And I just kind of want to get a jab in at Pitt because that's what I like to do. Um, Notre Dame by fifty. Well, not only that, but did you know over the last three weeks, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 has won the same amount of games as Pitt? Yeah, zero. Zero. That's hey. Listen, over the over the past. Three weeks, Pitt has won the same amount of games as Uniontown. I, I hate Pitt with a burning passion, but I will say Pitt's done a I very— I think they beat Uniontown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say Pitt has done a very good job, especially this year. You know, I've always really bashed Narduzzi about letting Whippeal talent leave his backyard. Um, like, he's got certain ones. Like, he's got DeMar Hamlin to come. He's gotten um, Paris Ford Paris to Ford. come. Um, but just that's just one hits. You know, he hasn't got a lot of Whitfield talent. You know, he does this year. He has Nakai Johnson coming in. He's got Elliot Donald coming in. Um, if his name doesn't ring a bell, he happens to be the nephew of Aaron Donald. Um, you got Dorian Ford coming in from Baldwin. And those guys right there, all defensive linemen. I mean, that's incredible right there. And, you know, come November 7th, they might get the biggest one of all, Derek Davis. Um, how likely is that? I don't know. He pits in his top About five. About as likely as Uniontown winning a game. Yeah, but, I, I mean, it's still a possibility he's in the top five, or Pitt is in his top five, rather. I mean, if, if Pitt, Pitt already has a great class as far as WPIL recruiting goes, um, but, I mean, if they can get Derek Davis, man, that's the cherry on top for that Pitt program. But I'm not going to talk high about Pitt anymore. They got enough coverage on this podcast, more than they ever needed. So I'll let it go there. <laughs> Uh, did you guys see the tweet from Olsh Chargers on Sunday about the... The Olsh, yeah, they have more wins at Heinz Fields than the Browns do since, like, 2004 or something. 
As do was, a lot of teams in WPIL. I was going to say, I, say, I would say Thomas more. Jefferson has a better... Thomas Jefferson's probably won more games at Heinz Field. <laughs> Alec Clip and Thomas Jefferson probably have more wins at Heinz Field than the Cleveland Browns do. Then probably the entire AFC North, honestly. It's got to be yeah, close. I, say, I don't know what the Ravens' win record is at Heinz Field. But I'd say there's some Whippeal teams. Like, like I'm thinking perennial powers that seem to always be there, like Clareton, Aliquippa, Thomas Jefferson, uh, maybe even like Central Catholic, um, Pine eh, Pine Richland hasn't been like a t- like a Whippeal title contender till in recent years. But definitely like, maybe South Fayette, you throw them in there. Um, but definitely look at like Thomas Jefferson, Aliquippa, and Clareton for sure. Um, teams that probably have more wins at Heinz Field than most NFL teams. Yeah, the tweet, the original tweet from Olsh was like, it said that we've had as many um, we've had as many wins as the Browns have in one appearance and the Browns have had 20 uh, at Heinz Field, so Olsh, was, Olsh is one for one and um, the Browns are one for 20, which is kind of depressing. That also says something yeah. considering Olsh has only had a football program since, I believe, 2012, 2013, something along those lines. Well, here's an even better stat. The Punxsutawney Chucks have the same amount of wins at Heinz Field as the Browns since 2003. What, none? Zero, Zero exactly, because we never played at Heinz Field, and we've only won one game in the last, like, four years, so it's okay. It's okay. And that is your D- District 9 report by District Carter 9 Lewis. update. There it was. <laughs> yep. They still have not yet to win a game, so it won't happen. Triple I've actually puts Punk's Tani results in, like, in their, like, final scoreboard with every other team. So every time I Well, yeah, because Trib Live is more than just – I mean, it's based out of Pittsburgh, but there is more than just Pittsburgh teams on there. Yeah, but they never, like, update the score. It's always just listed as, like, a game, but they never put the score in for it. So I always be like, oh, Punkstein, he's playing Clarion today, but I don't know the score of it, but he's probably a blowout. I don't even know who, I don't even know who they play this week. Let me, I wanna, I'm interested to see who they're playing this week. Cause they, if they're playing Dubois, they might have a chance because it's at home. And, and on that note, let's plug this podcast away. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, let me just let me just see who they're playing. Grells, the real question. If you like listening to this podcast, uh, I love listening to this podcast. Thank you for asking. Uh, I know you. (laughs) No, if 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 Punxsutawney and Uniontown played, who would win? Um, that's that's the that's I don't know. That's a great question. Actually, though, Punxsutawney plays the one in five Monotaw Warriors, who they only lost to by one point or not one point, one touchdown earlier in the season. So interesting. They have. They might have a chance this week. I'll let. We'll get. We'll talk. We'll talk about it next week if they win. It'll be a holiday. But uh, I think we asked that question before on this podcast, and I think we came to the result that we'd rather burn our eyeballs than watch that football game. So, question: Would anyone score? No. Well, actually, maybe. I think I, I think I think I think the, I think the Chucks would score. They've scored uh, six, fourteen, zero, zero, fourteen, fourteen. They might score a touchdown. Six six points might beat Uniontown. And I've mentioned that Uniontown scored zero against Albert Gallatin, and they actually got six points against Ringgold. So that's a pretty star. That's a that's a pretty. And, and, you know, the offense is rolling. You know. 
anyway, that just wraps up this podcast. If you like listening to it, like Jeremiah does, um, you know, we're on Spotify, CastBox. You know, if you have a preferred app, uh, go listen to us in that app because um, we're here to serve you guys as far as your listening needs go. Uh, you can go send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those great places. Like our content on there. We have way more than podcasts. We have, you know, p- pictures, graphics, um, hype videos, recap videos, all that fun stuff. Um, I'm hearing that we might have a guest a voiceover guy for our hype video for Fraser Wash High. Um, not gonna spoil any names, but um, his initials are CJ, so that might help a little bit for you two guys. Um, more, you can go check out our PA foot. Our you can go check out more of our articles on PA Football News. That's where we post everything. We have a bunch of articles, you know, recaps and previews and stuff like that. Um, then if you love high school football elsewhere in the state, that's a great place to look up as well. PA Football News is where you can find everything high school football in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, you can go get some merch on Teespring. I just ordered a red hoodie to complement my black hoodie with the PA, with a backyard PA Football logo on it. It looks pretty sick. I'm thinking of getting a or a custom ordering a hat like a beanie that I can wear to Heinz Field if we end up going there, which I have no idea if they're even going to Heinz Field now or not. There's a lot of rumors swirling around that they canceled it or the Steelers don't want one there now. So um, that'll be an interesting topic that we'll be learning about more in the coming days. Um, and then if you like what we do, support us on Patreon. It helps us out. It gives us a little kickback that we know that you like what you're listening to. And we, that puts the warmth in our hearts and the money in our pockets, as I, I like to say. And that makes us very happy. So um, if you like if you like us and want to support us on there, go do it because uh, we would appreciate it. Um, beside that, this has been the Backyard PF Football Podcast. I'm Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we will see you guys Saturday morning when we discuss the results of the season and the final week of play and recap the Commodores' big win over the Washington Praxis. Oh, go Penn my. State. We are. Go Ducks, go Chucks, Fiat Lux. We are out in Bloomington, Indiana. Watch out for those guys. They actually they actually look pretty good, Indiana Hoosiers do this year. What, in basketball? No, in football, actually. Well, oh, okay. They're playing, Was it Michael Penix Jr. as the quarterback? Playing Clifford, the big red dog, and the Penn State Nittany Lions, the number eight ranked team in all the land. So, Indiana, we got two words for you. We are. <laughs> and on that note... Um, Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on Saturday. Thanks. You've been listening to the Backyard PA Football Podcast with Nathan Grella and Jeremiah Miller. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. Support us on Patreon. Check out some merch on Teespring. Thank you for listening. You're still here? It's over. Go home.
go. 